2: Welcome to a Tuesdays here. It's Tail Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Logger Chris Schmidt Elijah Herbal. Signing Day Eve. As we get you geared up, we will have all sorts of coverage tomorrow. Reaction comments on the class from some of the greatest industry leaders, some proud parents on signing day and and a whole lot more. So we invite you to spend time with us uh, throughout the week. But tomorrow for the Hale Varsity Signing Day special. Uh, first things first, a show to knock out today. And uh, we are excited to have so many of you back in on the stream. Anthony is first. Dion's right there. I think Anthony got there by a nose. Anonymous is in. And I kind of like doing this. We start off with roll call. Uh, The top four, Brennan from the Black Hills, gets in at four. And then Jeff checks in at five. So it's a race to get in the waiting room. Numbers to dial up at 489-1240, 489-1240, or 800-825-5865. The names I mentioned are in the StreamYard portion of the show, the video version, the Hale Varsity YouTube section. It's where you go to watch the program also, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. So, we'll take some thoughts and questions. If you want to jump in on tomorrow's class, we can try and answer some of those questions. We'll hear from Matt Rule tomorrow. So, we'll uh, lock that down and all sorts of things in between. Has the smile gone away yet? It's a fair question, and many of you will shake your head No. Uh, or type in no, or dial up and say no. You're still on cloud nine as a Nebraska fan because of the news that came down around 4.20 or so yesterday with Dylan Raiola. That's still something to be happy about. Uh, What does it mean? We'll dive in a little bit further into the Raiola effect and uh, get to your phone calls as well. But beyond Dylan, and he is the... uh, the flag bearer, the flag planter with what this 2024 class really is, Elijah. And it's a legacy class. That's where I want to go because guys who did it before have uh, really talented sons that are going to try and do it again as the ultimate goal for Matt Rule and this football team is to win a championship, to, to be in position for championships, to be in the playoff, to keep climbing the ladder, that's a far jump from five and seven. But you've got the tools, the resources, the players, and the vision to get it done, to go execute it. You've just got a timeline to navigate now. Mm -hmm. And with Nebraska, this legacy class will be important to moving down the line on this yellow brick road to get Nebraska back to relevancy, Back to recency, back to playing for games of consequence, winning those games of consequence in a really fun but disastrously tough Big Ten. But
3: the question becomes: <clears throat> Did Nebraska secure their piece yesterday? That speeds up that timeline. Sure, that, that makes it as I kind of you said, got your JJ, pilot. Does it make it a, a two to three year rebuild as opposed to a four to five year rebuild? Because that's been the, the prevailing thought among national media, among local media, even as well. You know what, that first, those first two classes are going to be big. You, you judge a guy based on whenever those guys are, are juniors and seniors. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we saw what Matt Rule was able to do with the guys that he had, that he I guess he inherited last season, the guys that are now his.
2: They're still his guys. But, but, still his guys.
3: You, you took a he had a good forward. cupboard. Took a noticeable step forward, and you saw what pieces that he has with those freshmen, the guys that are going to be sophomores next year. But now you look at this next class. The second class is the class that you're really building your future upon. The, the guys that are the guys that are going to take Nebraska from a, a, a non-bowl team to a team that could be competing for, a, say, a Big Ten championship or a college football playoff. And it is the addition of Dylan Ruyla that brought you there. And the question becomes, is it now not about what those guys are doing as juniors and seniors, but is it what they're adding to the, the freshman, sophomore, to the guys that Matt Rule inherited because of the guy that you got at the quarterback mm-hmm. position? If you nail that spot, I mean – well, you can turn a five-year rebuild into a two-year rebuild.
2: Well, you, you need, yeah, you get the right talent. You get the right mindset, the right mentality to go with that talent. And don't kid yourself. Nebraska's trying to jump from fringe bowl team to nine wins. And then you go from nine to, all right, upper echelon of the Big Ten slash one of the 12 in the playoff. Your top three or four of the Big Ten, easier said than done. We'll see. Um, then then you're part of that playoff discussion piece. Let's go to the phones here to get us kicked off. Who's with us? F-Bomb Brian. F-Bomb Brian. Hey, F-Bomb Brian, how we doing?
0: Get your button ready. No. <laughs> you
2: can't how's be. Your, uh, how's
0: your voice down today? Uh, yesterday Whoa. you sounded a little, a little iffy.
2: All right, no, I'm good. I just had a, a what do we call it, an episode?
3: <laughs> <laughs> a frog in your throat.
2: I just had an episode. Now I was going to put down... Uh, a wager, at, at what point in the stream, if folks want to give me time hacks, do I, do I lose it and start uh, falling wayside like I'm smoking a carton of Paul Maltz? Get your bets in now in the stream yard. When does it happen today? Right. I, I've got a little <laughs> little more water next to me. And Rob, the, uh, the the suit.
0: Hot quality h tool.
2: It's what it is, so a little Tito's in it. But he uh, you know, threatened my life to, to make sure my throat was better today, so it's going to be better today. What do you think, Brian, F-Bomb Brian? Are you uh, pretty excited? you, you, you gearing I, up here for tomorrow?
0: One part of me is squealing like a little girl on the inside, obviously. And uh, another part of me is PTSD. Little, my, 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 my cousin is a diehard Iowa fan, bless his heart. I, don't, I hope to cure him of his... Mental constipation one day, <laughs> but it sounds like they're they're kind of their their butts are puckering over in Iowa City right now.
2: Well, it's always been a back and forth game, and in, in what's been the the deciding factor, it's been a, a turnover, a mistake, yep. a lot of times by Nebraska, and sometimes that mistakes happened at quarterback, right? Because there's been a lot put on the quarterbacks' plates, and uh, maybe that is the issue because. I mean Iowa's had quarterback problems since the Mr. Banks era of almost twenty years ago. They've they've endured. Bethard was all right. I don't want to pile on him, but you get what I'm saying. You uh, you get you, you beat Iowa through better quarterback play and of course awesome defense.
0: Yeah, and and I was I was trying to watch some full game uh videos of of, of uh Dylan Iola and man, that guy he's got a fifty cal strapped to his arm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can. Man. He can sling Holy it. Holy crap! He he flicks it, and the thing goes fifty yards.
0: Yeah, he, I, I I couldn't I couldn't even I couldn't even punt the ball as far as he he throws it. Based,
3: based on pure arm talent, he looks different than anyone Nebraska's ever had in their
2: history. No, it's I mean it's it's a nice. It's a nice problem to have. What do we do with this talented freshman?
0: Well, even the quarterbacks we won national titles with, he throws better uh, better balls than they do.
2: Sure. Not even close. Right. And yeah. Different options. Different They're, option. They're yeah.
0: option guys, so I get it.
3: Well, I would... But, I mean, you, you look at the great quarterbacks in Husker history, Joe Gann, Zach Taylor, you could argue that, that Riley has got better arm talent than them right now as a 17-year-old. Sure.
2: Oh, no, yeah. It's, it's it's fair to say. Brian, I would, I would say this, and thanks for checking in with us. Uh, let that scale drift towards the excitement factor versus the PTSD.
0: All right, I'll try. All right, tis, the, we'll, we'll tis till the spring. We'll see how he does. Yep,
2: till tis the season for optimism. All right, it's signing day.
0: All right, be good, guys.
2: Take care. There he is, F bomb Brian, behaving himself. That's a win. No f bombs. No no f bomb. Every time F bomb Brian jumps on the line, four eight nine twelve forty or 800-825-5865. Elijah's hands get a little shaky. He has the nickname for a reason. Oh, I know. <laughs> he didn't. And, and We, he, we, and we he,
3: don't give out that nickname for no reason at no, all.
2: And, and and he won that nickname very early in a post-game show, <laughs> I, I I do believe. But we'll get into um, some of your questions and comments. We get into the legacy uh, part of this here, the legacy class. And, I mean, these are the names that, that are – in or already in. You've got Neil Smith's son, Keelan Smith. Remember we talked to Neil when Keelan committed. Keelan had a fantastic year down in the Kansas City region. Of course, uh, Danny Noonan's boy got dinged up this year but was looking really good. Uh, and, and Noonan and Neil were on that same defensive line. Danny went, I think, 18th overall. Neal went number two overall. And they played two years together with Coach McBride along with Broderick Thomas, have fun blocking that version of the Black shirts. Of course, we have uh, Dom and Dylan. Dylan, we've spent a lot of time on, and he is that, that linchpin here for this legacy class. You have Damon Benning and Caleb Benning. Caleb Benning's just a, an absolute playmaker from West Side, both sides of the football, incredible. You have Kenny Clark, Quinn Clark, uh, his boy. And uh, Caden Cook, Sam Cook's son. And we know how good Sam was at Nebraska, and with the Ravens, Sam a friend of the show. Camden, the the the, the putter. I mean, so all these guys have experienced game day uh, one time or another. They've seen Dad's uh, den, right? They've seen Dad's den or Husker room, and they they know what what Dad is about and. They've been around dad's friends, old teammates. They've heard how special it was for for their fathers. And, And a lot of the fathers played and won meaningful games. They went on to have great careers in the NFL. And they also understand, maybe even not through dad's discussion with them, but just where Nebraska is at, and where they can be, when it comes to bringing Nebraska back to relevance, and that's to me why it's really intriguing with this second year to the to your points, Elijah, about just how um, how important this second year is of, from a recruiting standpoint, but the the legacy part.
3: Yeah, I mean, you have guys in this class that that understand fully Nebraska; they understand the pressure that comes with being a guy at Nebraska, and you're going to have that added pressure as a legacy. You know, your dad won a national championship. Your dad won a, a big eight. Te- your dad was a, a two-time all big eight selection. You have that added pressure of, of dad your, watching Your dad won. And,
2: your dad won a lot of ball games. And you
3: have that added pressure of going back home and facing dad. And Man, son, five and seven this year? You, you have that added pressure, and I'm not sure if that's a, a good pressure or if that's a bad pressure, but that is pressure nonetheless, and that's a part of this class that you have to think about, that it, it's it's deeper than that in Nebraska. And it's different in Nebraska than other places. It's it's different than an Iowa legacy going off, and this is not a pile-on Iowa segment, but the, these guys that are legacies, they're all standout players in their own right. Every single guy that we just mentioned as being a legacy is a standout guy. And, and it's different at Nebraska because of that history, because of that that – just, uh, what is it, tradition of winning. That's on the, the jerseys. The tradition of winning at Nebraska and the fact that these guys' dads all experience that at the highest level as contributors, as playmakers, you're all gonna ha- they're all going to have that pressure as a part of this class. And I'll be interested to, to see what that does to these guys as their college career progresses.
2: Well, and, and it's, uh, you know, pressure is a privilege. You hear coaches say that from time to time. The centerpiece of this revival and that's what this is. You're trying to revive Nebraska on a national scale, on a national scene. You do that with some buzz, but that buzz has got to turn into uh, to wins on the field. And a guy like Dylan Raiola jumping all into this deep end of the pool, willingly saying, you know what, man, I want to I go get it back. I want to build it back. That, that takes some guts it, it's not easy to go wherever he could have gone. I mean, he could have gone to SC, he could have gone to Ohio State, he could have gone to uh, uh, Georgia. I mean, he could go to spots that are, that are really tough spots that are already winning now. He has that talent level.
3: I mean, you could go as far as to say he could go anywhere in the country. He could. Just about he, every school out there offering he, he
2: could have gone anywhere and, and been a real, uh, real problem in that quarterback room. With incumbents, without incumbents, okay, and he chose to come back, where his dad roamed uh, the uh, the the hallways of Memorial Stadium, and then uh, pile drived people on the on the defensive line uh, with uh, his his blocks at center. So it was a conscious choice. You've got these other legacies making conscious choices, and the choice is this, is to be a part of that lift with Matt Rule. Uh, when we come to uh, where Nebraska needs to go, how quickly it can happen, and the, the fact that the process that Rule speaks about is going to be done the right way. It's going to be earned, but it's also you're going to get a chance to to get better. It's not, all right, we got you, dude, go do your thing, hands off. No, there's going to be supervision I think you gotta be excited about that part. When you get the talent to, to mesh with the development, I know I said it yesterday, but it's vid so true, and it's such a truth in college football when you look at the winning programs right now that are winning at an elite level. They have insane talent, they have also developed talent, but they they hone that talent and they get some of the best of the best, or at least you get it rolling to do so. Uh and man, you get talent in here, you get the talent right, and then you get the coach the, the talent coached up to go in. It's a really, really good thing for Nebraska.
3: Well, you heard Matt Rule say on one of those, uh, the Rewind episodes last year that scouts come in and say that, that you're the the only school we've seen practice as hard as Georgia. Yeah. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing that quote. I didn't nail it 100%, and I apologize for that. But you're trending in the right direction in terms of getting the talent that Georgia gets. You're not even close right now. Don't get me wrong. You're not close to getting the same talent, but you're trending in that direction. If you can start getting some wins on the field, your practice is harder than them. If you can make your development look like Georgia, you are going to be a problem, not just for the Big Ten, but the the college football world as a whole.
2: Well, you can bring in like talent. Uh, Brian checks in. So if our excitement hasn't subsided, how many hours before we seek medical attention? Uh, I'm not a doctor. I might need to see one. Uh, Mitch Sherman's with us. Hail Varsity continues. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and
4: save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
3: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. It's that time. Psst. Hey, Mitch.
1: Mitchy, Mitchie, Mitchie, Mitchy, We're looking for you, pal. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Talking big red. Unleash the fury, Mitch. Unleash the fury. On Hail Varsity Radio.
2: Thanks for hanging out at Tailbar City Tuesday signing day eve. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in Mitch Sherman from the Athletic. At Mitch Sherman on Twitter is where you follow him, and great coverage and reporting and insight as always with Mitch on Dylan Raiola, Nebraska, and uh, this uh, 2024 class to be. Mitch, you, you hanging in? Thanks for jumping on today.
4: And ready for tomorrow in the. Well, it shouldn't be too crazy. Uh, we got the big announcement out of the way on Monday night, but always some drama on the national level at least and maybe at Nebraska this year on signing day.
2: Well, and, and I want to go to that, to that national level, Mitch, uh, with the athletic. And you uh, work, you have a lot of colleagues uh, on, on the national level as well. And just your, your I guess, reaction – what feedback have you gotten from them? What's what's kind of the buzz about Nebraska right now, nationally, uh, for, on the Raiola flip?
4: Yeah, it's interesting. I think people are, I think people are excited by the, the moment that has been presented to Nebraska here. Um, I do think that there is some fatigue at the end of. We're now in the last year of the four-team college football playoff, and next year it expands to twelve, and with that comes the opportunity for um, more programs to have the opportunity to compete for national championships. It's the simplest way to put it. And and there have been forces uh, at work in college football with the NIL and the transfer portal that allow for some of the schools that aren't at the very, very top to build their rosters and add talent in ways that we haven't seen in recent seasons. And this is another another example of that as as the sport Goes into that into that 12-team era. Not to say that Nebraska is a contender next year for the 12-team college football playoff because it has Dylan Raiola, but you know there's there's hope on the horizon. I think for a lot of programs that didn't have hope in recent years. It's been you know Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. You know Michigan has come in a very limited number of programs that have not just won the championships, but that have collected the majority of the top recruits. And, and here's a case that I think is refreshing for a lot of people where Dylan Raiola, um, who's ranked as for much of this recruiting cycle as the number one player in the class is picking a school other than those that I mentioned.
3: Mitch, I've seen a lot of, of, of national writers out there say this is good for the game of college football. And I, I tend to agree, but what specifically about it do you think is good for the game of college football? Is it, Nebraska being a power? Is it the redistribution of wealth among uh, the, the greater college football world? What do you think makes Dylan Riola being a Husker good for college football?
4: Well, at first, I think it's just a reason to watch. And Nebraska hasn't given people outside of its own footprint and fan base much of a reason to want to watch Nebraska football in recent years. And Nebraska is one of those programs, like several others, where the sport is better when the Nebraska program is thriving. It has a large and, and loud uh, following, and it's it's still a name, a blue blood. You know, people of of a certain generation don't remember when Nebraska was a dominant program, but um, they know that it happened, that it once happened, and I, I think it's, it's difficult to argue that it wouldn't be good for the sport if more programs doesn't have to be Nebraska, but if more programs were able to step up and compete for the things that we've seen a limited number win in recent years. And if it's Nebraska, um, that's good for people around here, and I think that it, 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 that resonates more with a national audience than say, uh, you know, if Boise State does that or if TCU does that. They're nothing against those programs, but they've um, you know they've come on the scene more lately and don't have the same kind of don't carry the same kind of weight um, that Nebraska or others in major conferences do, and, and certainly TCU's in a major conference. So maybe that's a, maybe that's a bad example, but um, I thought of the Horn Frogs because they played for the national championship last year.
2: Mitch, let's spend a minute here on the the legacy aspect, and you got your centerpiece uh, of the, the the legacy discussion uh, with with uh, Dylan and Dom. But what a, what a loaded twenty twenty four class of you know, Nebraska legacies that are coming to play ball where, where dad played ball.
4: Yeah, it's a great – it's it's not just any five who are signing as the sons of, of former Nebraska players when you look at the group. Um, you know, the late Ken Clark was one of the more underappreciated running backs in Nebraska history, He ran for 3,000 yards in the late 80s, and, and his son Quinn, a wide receiver from Montana, uh, is coming along with – Neil Smith's son Keelan will be a tight end or, or wide receiver, some kind of flex um, combo hybrid player. Of course, you have Caleb Benning, the son of, of Damon Benning, who's well known um, around here for his his work on the Nebraska broadcast, but also as a as a running back on two national championship teams and the MVP of the '96 Orange Bowl. Um, Sam Cook was one of the great punters in Nebraska history; he still holds the record for single season punting average. Um, his son out of Maryland is coming to, to play the same position. The only one of these legacies signing tomorrow who play the same position that their dad uh, starred at. And, and of course, um, Ryola, the the um, fifth and, and most recent to join as, as a legacy. Um, we've talked plenty about him.
3: Smith Sherman with us here on Hale Varsity Radio talking Nebraska's signing day. That's coming your way tomorrow. We'll have a signing day show from 4 to 6 tomorrow and mitch these legacy guys one of the things we talked about back in segment one is the pressure associated with your your dad being a high level guy at nebraska and all of these guys with no exceptions their dads were high level football players in nebraska whether it be all all big eight selections all big 12 selections national champions big 12 champions big eight champions they all have uh, a history with the university of nebraska what do you make of that that added pressure that that puts on their sons as they now enter their careers at nebraska
4: well, it can go either way, and I think in the case of, and I've talked to these guys, and and have a story that I'm planning about this topic, not not just the pressure that they face, but um, that they're coming and following in their in their dad's footsteps, and, and you know it varies case by case. I mean, Dylan, you saw it in his message that that messages, his video, the poem um, that he posted on Monday night. He he he's embracing the pressure, and that goes with his personality. Um, I get that, having sat and talked to him, that. It's a real thing that he wants the, the, the pressure. I mean, sure, it can get hot in the kitchen at times, but uh, as a quarterback at Nebraska, and I'm sure there will be moments where it does for him. It has for all of, even the greatest Nebraska quarterbacks had their moments that weren't you know, all perfectly fun. Um, but he, you know, I think he's ready, as ready for that as anyone can be. Certainly of the five who were signing as legacies, he's got the most pressure on him and then you you know you maybe you look at Camden Cook after that because his dad was so good and because they played the same position and Sam spent 14 years in the NFL. He's also walking into this eyes wide open about the kind of pressure that he has. And you know he's got a senior ahead of him this year so it's not a Riola situation where you're going to have people clamoring for him to start. I don't I, people don't pay as much attention to the punting spot, but that's a that's a that's a um, an important name to have on your back. The others the others it varies. I mean Caleb Benning's recruiting has been Interesting and, and unique, um, all, all the way through. He was injured most of his junior year. Didn't have film to put out there. You know, he wanted to bet on himself here as a senior and um, and, and and really win over the Nebraska coaching staff when I think they were a little bit unsure about where he fit in their in their scheme. Even though he had an offer all the way through. Um, Quinn Clark, you know, his father Ken passed away ten years ago, eleven years ago, when when Quinn was just a kid, and, and he's somebody who doesn't. Really, he hasn't lived in Nebraska. He doesn't, I think, understand um, all that his dad means to everybody. Um, not everybody, but certainly a, a faction of people in this state who remember the, ga- the great Ken Clark. And then, you know, with Keelan Smith, um, you know, I, his dad did enough great things in the NFL that I think he also understands the environment that he's walking into as a big-time football player. And, and um, you know, I, I think he, he's well-positioned to be able to handle the,
5: the, 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 um, the spotlight.
2: Mitch Sherman's with us. A few minutes, uh, Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch with The Athletic, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Right now, as the composite rankings lay out for the new uh, 18-team Big Ten, Nebraska is right behind USC uh, in at 6th, uh, Ohio State right now at 2, Oregon eight. Penn State 13, Michigan 16, Nebraska 20, right in front of Wisconsin. What what, what does this second class need to be for Matt Rule?
4: It needs to be a difference-making kind of class, and I don't think it so much matters. I mean, if you're ranked number one, two, three in the recruiting rankings, um, it's clear that your class is stocked with four- and five-star players, and you've got guys like Rayola who are expected to come in and make an immediate difference. Once you get into that, Uh, Maybe it's it's arbitrary where where you draw the line, but if you get into the eight range or the ten range, you know it it becomes more fuzzy um, in terms of like who's really got the better class. It's hard to say. Like if a team's ranked 16th in the recruiting rankings or 18th or 20th, how it's going to play out? It's basically a a coin flip, and it comes down to how those players are um, are developed in the program, what the culture's like that they're walking into. You know how how many of them are are given time. Um, who the players are around them. So there's a lot more that goes into their success than, than just uh, the ranking that they have next to their name as recruits. This is obviously a, an important group for Rule because it's the first one that he's had a full year to put together. Last year was, was a fire drill, and you know, while Mickey Joseph's interim staff um, should be commended, for the great work that they did to keep things together when it was very apparent that Nebraska was moving in a direction away from them, that that it it was hard for Rule, even with that scenario to pick up and build, you know, what would be considered a, you know, a, a landmark recruiting class, usually with coaches when they're hired in November or December, you know, the second class, the first full class, is where you really get an idea of what they're made of as recruiters. And this one, it looks good. Um, it's always, it's always better to check back a couple of years later. Um, <laughs> but certainly the the addition that they were able to make in this final week is going to be the the headline, and it's going to be you know the uh, go a long way toward determining what how this class is viewed um, when everything plays out.
2: Mitch, we'll let you be. We'll see you tomorrow uh, at Coach Rules Presser and always love your insight. Thanks again for uh, spending the few minutes with us today.
4: Good to talk to you guys. Thanks.
2: There he is, Mitch Sherman with us from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Give him a follow. Great stuff. And you can always find the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Download us there. You can watch the show, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed. We'll get to your comments In the stream, can also dial up open phones here till 5 at 489-1240-800-825-5865. The the impact this second-year class needs to be, we'll dive into that a little more. Matt Verzel coming up next hour. Jeremiah Searles in Hour 2.
4: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial.
1: Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmidt. Schmidt's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak when I you? I'm not you yet. Yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio.
2: Plenty of emails to get to. We'll get to your stream comments on the Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We'll open phones here till 5 at 489 1240. 489 1240 or 800. 825-5865. Signing day special tomorrow. Plenty of special guests. Plenty of proud papas with their sons heading off to Nebraska. We'll catch up with Mike Schaefer, recruiting analyst. Bill Dolman going to be with us as well. Mike Babcock, Evan Bland. So uh, we are loaded, man. What a what a week plus it's been covering Nebraska. The the offseason, man, is... Uh, there's no sleep for the offseason, and it's been uh, a wild ride as Raiola's in, and uh, many more talented names to keep an eye on. We'll get to your comments here in a minute. I want to remind you about your friends at Dyer Law and the topic of personal injury. If you've been hurt in a personal injury accident, you can count on the Dyer Law team to provide you with a helping hand When you need it, no matter what you're dealing with, call Dyer Law today at 402-393-7529 or visit Dyer.Law, that's Dyer.Law, to chat with a trusted professional about your personal injury claim. That's Dyer.Law, Dyer.Law, 402-393-7529. So we're talking legacy, we're talking impact to 2024. You've got a uh, just talented local quarterback and Danny Kalen and what he was able to do with kind of keeping this class together peer recruit the Carter Nelsons and Grant Brixes of the world uh, Brian checks in here on the stream his comment I think this 24 class will be instrumental in getting the big red in the right direction they come from good stock and winning is in their DNA couldn't have said it better myself that's what you want traveling? That's what you want walking into the locker room, and you want uh, some of those standards to be upheld. Not only just Nebraska getting back to relevancy, but Elijah, those family standards mm-hmm. are are important. You sit down at the uh, the old kitchen table with Dad, and man, a lot of families, especially athletic families, are competitive. You wanna you wanna try and outdo pops. Well, it'll be pretty hard to do for some of them uh, when it comes to, to, to bling and ring. And, and one of the
3: things that I think is important to note here whenever you talk about this class and how the, the coaching staff feels about them, because at the end of the day, that's what matters a hell of a lot more than what you think or what I think or what the fans think, is who has Nebraska truly been in on in the transfer portal outside of Kyle McCord, which it sounds now like the, the coaching staff was the side of that equation that said, thanks but no thanks. Right. We, we, we have a chance at Dylan Raiola. That is what I think is uh, is kind of telling about what the coaching staff thinks. Is you know what? There's some holes in this team that they needed to fill. I think there's still an immediate hole inside linebacker. You'll see what mm-hmm. kind of guys they get in this class, but I think you still have one hole there. Um, maybe uh, is there you there a hole at running back or no? Maybe you have somebody, I'm, I'm getting there. Maybe no, have some I'm, guys I'm, that come up I'm at linebacker, asking. but maybe you have a, a hole at running back. You would like to have one more top end wide receiver. But at the end of the day, what is the Husker coaching staff using these scholarships for? guys in the class of 2024. And they're trying to flip more still as as Tuesday wears into Wednesday. And will they be able to pull it off? We'll see. Time will tell. But I think that is very telling of what the coaching staff thinks of this class of 2024 in terms of its importance moving forward and the guys that they currently have in the classes. They're not, saving these scholarships for transfer portal guys. They're, they're trying to continue building this 2024 class, and they're keeping these guys around as opposed to hitting the portals. We've seen from other schools across the country, Miami in particular, they're kind of weeding out some of the guys from their recruiting classes because they want to hit the portal hard. They're trying to fix, fix those holes immediately. That's not Matt Rule style, A, But B, I think he and the coaching staff feel very, very good about what they have in this class and what this class can be moving forward. You know what? The four-year plan is more important than what Nebraska can be next year. I still think Nebraska can be very good next year, but they like what they have in this class and they like what this team can be four years from now once these guys are juniors and seniors.
2: Year three, year four, right? And what kind of a ramp-up season do you get year two? with some of those key pieces. And the, the thing that you got to feel good about if you're a Nebraska fan is Matt Rule and just his, his coaching acumen. And what I mean by that is he is very measured. He is going to give a guy time to develop. And you, you have to do that. There's so many coaches because of the, the world of college football right now. You just laid it out, Miami. Are they are they cutting bait already after a year one on somebody because dude didn't come in and kill it? That's hard to do, real hard to do, uh, in in year one on a line of scrimmage. I mean, you've got a handful of guys at Bama. Or I mean, look at Nebraska's defensive line freshmen. Look at Princewell. Look at Lenhart. Look at Van Poppel. They all had a role. They were all sprinkled in. They all played double-digit snaps, and they were active. They were engaged early. And I'm anxious to see what that looks like from an offensive line rotation next year. Do you get, if they're ready, some of those younger guys that, all right, are we going to see them redshirt or not on the lines of scrimmage on the offensive line? You saw the usage. Uh, on 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 offense you wanted more usage a lot of times with Malachi Coleman but you saw Lloyd kill it i mean three to three monster touchdowns this year you're waiting on Doss to get back and there's some guys that they just didn't they didn't crack the red shirt fine but you've got another X number of months of development and seasoning to come in and make an impact, to your point, of that wide receiver. And then Ives. Like, Ives is somebody that we're pretty anxious in seeing at the running back spot because of his size. And one of the the topics I'd like to
3: get into, I'm not sure if we have enough time here this hour, maybe what's the conversation we save for tomorrow is, I mean, how many guys... As true freshmen last year made contributions, I think we're putting it the number at
2: I'd say seven, seven to ten. Seven,
3: seven, to ten, like yeah, you had probably about ten because you had playing in the, there. Seven that I think were real key contributors. Yeah. How many guys from this class end up being contributors next season? Because I think you got some good candidates. Ryle will be at the top <laughs> of the list. There's one. <laughs> Ryle will be at the top of the list, but like you, you have some more in the in the uh, on your team right now mm-hmm. than you did last year. How many of these guys actually end up contributing next year? Because I guarantee there will be a good handful of them that do make contributions.
2: Well, that's, that's coaching them up, and that's also guys that are physically and mentally ready to come in and, and contribute. Do you get a guy, and I'm anxious because, you know, there's some questions here in the stream about the, the guys. Is there any more flips out there? I mean, there's some more uh, hints out there on social media the last 24 hours by Nebraska. Is, is a guy like Wingo somebody that's a possibility, at wide receiver for Nebraska to get that flip.
3: And uh, I was talking yesterday about how quiet he's been on social media for the past couple days. It should be noted last night he did go and like some tweets of some, from, f- from uh, some fellow Texas commits, uh-huh. as well as a Texas flip yesterday. Uh. So can
2: you read into that? Yeah, Maybe maybe, maybe you can. Uh, B and A W. Jackson Rule's going to be on Inside College Football tomorrow on ESPN. Oh, Rule's going to do it right. He's going to spend time with us tomorrow at 1130. Excited to hear what he has to say. And uh, then uh, it's uh, the media tour with Rule, as he'll be hitting a lot of the national spots, a lot of the national riders. Uh, We'll check in with him. Uh, Excited to get that coverage to you. We are loaded up for signing day 2024 and I uh, want you to be a part of it. More of your comments, uh, more of your thoughts in the stream. Also, 489-1240 or 800-825-5865. We'll wind down hour one, Matt Verzil, former Husker, Jeremiah Searles. Big old Searles coming up, hour two with Hale Varsity. And now, and now, back to Hail Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, this first hour, it's Hail Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Podcast, always a way to find us Spotify, iTunes, Google Play for the audio version of the pod. Get the video version, Hail Varsity YouTube channel. And reminder to get buckled up. One of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an impaired driver. Why take chances if you drink or use other substances? Don't drive. Impaired driving. Is deeply dangerous, and message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office, and uh, you have Brandon check it in, and he ain't wrong. Uh, we're still a, lo- a long ways away off from having ten NFL guy, ten NFL draft picks on the field on Saturday.
3: But but here's uh, here's uh, a baby steps, right? I, I think there's a a very real uh, litmus test for a program in terms of where you are, and that's. How many potential first-round guys do you have on your roster? I think how many, how many, how many
2: NFL up. guys do you have that, that stick and stay?
3: I, I think NFL guys is important, but you look at the top programs in college football, the, the teams that are competing and in, in, in doing something nationally, a lot of them have one to two first-round picks on their roster. Yeah, you're, Maybe you're, not in the same class, but one to two first-round picks they have there.
2: You're having a guy go first-round every year, every other year. You're having, for sure, second-round. And you're having probably three to five guys going that first day, those first three rounds.
3: And I'm not willing to put Ryle there just yet. He's got – I mean, that's, that's the expectation of a guy who's ranked top five in the country, number one quarterback, is you know what, you have first-round potential. I'm not willing to put him there. I'll wait to see him on the field. But I think Nebraska's got some other guys on the football field. Prince Will is the first that comes mm-hmm. to mind to me of being a guy that if he fills out and develops the way you expect a guy in a Matt Rowe program to develop, that could be a future 1st Well You've, you've got two
2: that are coming back in the Polar Bear and, and uh, Ty Robinson. Yeah. Uh, Singleton's a guy that I think's a Sunday guy. Uh, Brennan checks in from the Black Hills. Rules trying to be John Cook. Utilize your recruiting classes to build a continual dominant team instead of a quick flash in the pan. You gotta kind of win now but plan for the future. (laughs) You gotta do both and you keep getting talent in. Uh, That's uh, pretty big time. Uh, You know what helps your your draft stock is Scott to say, and when you win,
3: well, it's chicken or the egg. It's chicken or the egg. Does having highly draftable players make you win, or does yes. you win? You, I, I think that that could be a difference Talent. between a guy getting drafted sixth round and fourth round could be winning, but it's not going to get a guy from fourth round to first round because you know what your team was winning.
2: Well, I mean, that, I just, that's why
3: I use the first round pick as the litmus test. Sure. Because teams that have multiple first round picks on their roster don't tend to lose a whole bunch of games.
2: No, they they do not. And uh, what you do is you just stack them. And that's what Nebraska did for years. You look at all these legacies. Well, those guys uh, are parts and kind of spread out. But you look at the, the two different sections. You've got some '90s guys. You have a guy from the the, the late '90s to early the mid 2000s, and Sam Cook. You've got the late '80s with the uh, Neil Smith and Ken Clark. Uh, sons, and then, of course, Damon with uh, the championship run from the early 90s to the mid-90s. And uh, Walter is correct, sir. Prince Amukamara, the last first-round pick for Nebraska football in uh, 2011. So you had Sue go two overall in 2010. Prince went, I think, in 18th to 20th, uh, somewhere in that range to the Giants in 2011. And I think you had... Uh, Levante David goes second round in
3: 2011. Yeah, he was, he's
2: like 41st overall, I think. He was. Matt Verzel, former Husker pizza man, checks in. Jeremiah Searles next hour. It's Hale Varsity powered by Cornhead Lager.
1: The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel.
2: Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, we're powered by Cornhead Lager, let's talk some Big Red football, Matt Verzil is with us, at Verz 51, Pizza Man with Paisans, and of course, host of Husker Hangover, Verz, you're on the move, What what's, uh, what's going on with you on a Tuesday, thanks for the time.
5: Get about a half an hour break a day, so... I'm going to run home and take care of a couple of things, and then head back to
2: work. Look at you! You're making the roadie home uh, to stop in. I like it, Verz. I want to get your reaction. You're around uh, high school kids as as a coach at Scott. Uh, you do awesome work with kids, training them uh, as well. And uh, you're just uh, pretty big in the community. And you're also a former Husker, and uh, you've uh, you've seen kids come and go uh, in recruiting classes and. On rosters. What's your reaction to the Raiola uh, announcement yesterday? You know, Dom and the family pretty well and uh, a, a big get for Nebraska and, and quite a bit of, of national love for Nebraska right now with this announcement.
5: It, uh, it's pretty awesome. I mean, after a while, right, Nebraska struggled for a long time to what to, seems to do anything right. And people will say it's this position or it's that position or, or whatever, but to have a, a legacy that, that gets it. You know, and you got a couple of them in this recruiting class. that they, they get it. They know what Nebraska can be about. They know the experience that their fathers had, that their families have had through it. It's a lot to say about the culture that they're building and, and the things like you're selling a vision right now. Like You're not selling a bowl game. You're not selling a CFP opportunity. You're, you're selling hope. And to have two kids that are legacy kids both want to be a part of it, that's, that's a really cool thing. And, and tip of the cap to Coach Rule and his staff for getting that across. And, you know, now everything amps up. And, and when you get somebody that's, you know, or really took a chance on Nebraska. Probably catching some hell on the interwebs for it, but he's good with his decision. Hopefully tomorrow when they sign the papers and, and away we'll go. But, yeah, it, it really speaks to the, to the vision they have and the ability that they have to convey that to kids.
2: Matt Verzel's with us, and you are right about the, the legacy. I think five or six kids from former Huskers are a part of this 2024 20, class, from Neil Smith to, to Sam Cook's son, of course, uh, Caleb Benning, the, the standout at Westside, Damon's boy, and uh, you, you mentioned Raiola, and, of course, Kenny Clark's son. This is really cool. What's that mean to you as a former Husker? A lot of your former teammates are sending their kids uh, to uh, to go play ball at uh, at your alma mater.
5: All well, moves are old and you know, <laughs> uh, and fertile, I guess. <laughs> they're able to reproduce. Um, it just it, it means that there's a lot of of respect and and admiration from father to son. That's it's like, hey, we got to go back in and do this. You know, and I doubt that conversation has happened consciously. Mm-hmm. But the, the dads probably know, hey, my kid can help in this process. My kid can help get it back to what it once was. And that's that's a lot, you know. They, they all had other opportunities to go other places. But, you know, they're going to take a gamble, too. So they know what it's about. They know what it can be. And, and they're, they're you know, shipping their sons off to give her help, see what happens. Matt, do you think that
3: added pressure of, of going to Nebraska and, oh, my dad was a, a national champ or my dad was a, a Big 8 champ, my dad was a Rose Bowl champ, is that added pressure on a kid a, a good thing or a bad thing in your opinion?
5: Pressure, I don't think people have enough pressure in their life. I think people live too easy. Like There, there's, there should be pressure in, in every phase of your life to do good. And we've, we've put too many crutches out there like, Oh, I, I had to do this, and I got so anxious, and I was an—I didn't know what to do. Well, here's what you do. You deal with it, and you figure out how to fix it, and you figure out how to do it. Pressure, we, we take too much pressure off of people. We need to put pressure on people. Pressure, as Damon famously says, pressure busts pipes or make diamonds. I mean, it's, it's one of the two. It's okay if you go out and, and the pressure busts the pipe. Now you go back and fix the pipe and then assume that role of, of being under pressure again. I think it speaks to a lot. My, my great friends are the people that I value in my life are the ones I can know in a pressure situation. I can call them there to show up and, and do things. And that's that's something I. there is no pressure. But I, I think we need to, to accept that. So, yeah, we should feel it. We should all feel it. We have a fan base should feel it. We a board of regents should feel it. We an athletic director should feel it. As a coach should feel it. Players, everybody. But that's a good thing. It's good to have pressure.
2: At what point in your career did you, or maybe it was early in your football career, but just walk me through the the managing, handling, growing from pressure.
5: Um, I had an opportunity when I was... And I was a sophomore in high school, got to play at Grand Island Senior High School, the Grand Island Senior High School under the great Kenny Fisher. And um, we were practicing. So, so the world was different then, right? Mm-hmm. So in Grand Island at that time, we had polyester, mustard yellow pants, and bright yellow jerseys. That's what all the sophomores practiced in. You didn't fit in or you didn't get to go pick your number. And we're at our own practice field, so we're practicing away, and Coach Fisher started to walk toward our field. And he came up, and we're all you know, puckered butthole. We're nervous. We don't know what we've done wrong. And he looked, and my nickname at the time was Fat Kid. And he said, hey, Fat Kid. I was like, yes, sir. He said, you're practicing with us now. And so I got pulled up to the varsity to practice. And that was pressure instantly because they all wanted to kill me <laughs> they all—they all wanted a shot at me. They wanted to end me being up there at all. But I had to accept that challenge and and go at it and deal with it and and I liked it because I said, okay, I'm approved. You guys, I should be here. I'm approved that that I can hit you. That fat kid is going to be okay. You can do what you want to do, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to go at it again. And then as it progressed on, then you earn their respect and their trust. And then that's kind of how that went. But, yeah, pressure, that would be my first, like, real pressure-packed football moment. And it was I'll never forget it.
2: Did they keep calling you fat kid, or did they start calling you sir, eventually?
5: No, nobody. it's transitioned to verse pretty quick. Uh, Coach Fisher was really the only one that called me fat kid. That happened when in our conditioning I was not in condition. <laughs> my sophomore year, we were running laps at the end, and I fell down, and might have talked to, to Ralph without the big white phone, and <laughs> Coach Fisher said somebody better dial 9-11 and get the fat kid off the field. So that
3: was where Fat Kid came from. <laughs> See, I, I'd like to thank Dave Leader, Coach Leader. As, oh, as Co- Coach Leader? Oh, yeah. Every single lineman to him was Fat Kid. So uh, I'd like to thank him. <laughs> that was a pretty pretty common experience for those of us who went to Southeast and played on the O line.
2: I, I love you guys. No. At least you got called Fat Kid. I was Asthma Boy. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> wheezy. Uh, Matt Verzels with us. Hale Varsity Radio at Verz51 on Twitter. So I, I want to get your thought, to Verz, on. The, the comparison that a lot of Nebraska fans have made with Tommy Frazier, the moment he came to Lincoln, and then this heir apparent, this opportunity, this five-star in Dylan Raiola, not fair for, for Dylan. Uh, but the talking points are out there about, okay, is this is this a program-changing get for Nebraska? Time will tell. What do you remember about your boy T. Frach coming in?
5: D. Fresh coming in was pretty fun. Um, he uh, <laughs> he, uh, he just taught me, man. I mean, you, you the awesome part about a locker room, okay, is you have all these people from all over the country, and they jam you into this small, dank, stank at the time North locker room, and we're all you know from successful programs, and we all think we're the dude, and you come in, <laughs> and you're just like, what are we doing here? But eventually, you get to learn each other. Tommy was, Tommy's defenses always were up. Like, trusted very few people. Mm-hmm. So you had to, to learn, like, hey, I've got to earn this guy's trust, and it's going to be harder than everybody else. Uh, talked real fast, was crazy, crazy athletic, and we knew he was on a different path than the rest of us, but he was just a once you got him got the defenses down, he's still one of my great friends today. I still see him at Pisons. But you knew at the time he had he had it. And and you knew he was different and you knew things from leadership. He feared no one. You know, you had a bunch of monsters on defense. He would talk crazy to all of them. You had a bunch of big dudes in front of him that played offensive line. If they missed a the block he was he was two knuckle deep in it. I mean he had no fear of anybody. And they respected that about him. And so it just was a was a thing that he knew he was surrounded by people that could could number one protect him on the offensive line but then keep him in games on the defence, number two. And he knew that quickly. Like he knew what he was a part of. And then he just had to make sure that he was living up to standard and doing everything he could to win. And and he accepted that. And that was it was cool. It was really cool to when you get old you like recognize it. When you're young, you're like this dude is nuts. Like somebody is going to kill him. Like this is going to go terribly wrong. But as it evolved and it and it went through, it was it's really really a cool thing. He's still that way today. He trusts very few people. I feel blessed to be one of the trusted, <laughs> one of the few that are trusted. But yeah, he's my guy. And he's a he's a good guy.
3: A guy like that that comes into a football pro- program and it is different is highly touted. Do they have a, a tougher time? Whenever you know you're trying to get in with the team, you're trying to get acclimated. Practice starts. Do they have a tougher time? Do the older guys tend to, uh, tend, to tend to give him a hard time because of that acclaim that they come in with?
5: He didn't give two s's, and I'm guessing just from what I've seen of Mr. Rail, he could give. He, he probably ran out of f's to give a long time ago. About if they if they want to if want to accept him or want to give him a hard time or not. The, the thing, though, too, that probably great players like that will extract is that now they know, okay, I don't have to be perfect in everything I do. I can make a mistake because he's going to help me, but I have to also be there to help him. So I have to step my game up, and I have to be better than I've been before to do that. So that, that was the thing where great you – know, they say iron sharpens iron. Greatness creates greatness. You get in these, these game-changing people – Everybody else now has to step up their game. And you don't have to go light years ahead. You just have to be better than you were the day before. If you view it as that thing every day, now you can get things to change in, in your mind. Like we've talked about that on here, yeah. talked about it on other radio stations. You've got to get your brain rewired that, that you are destined for greatness, that you are destined to be a champion, that you are destined to win. I think Nebraska has struggled with that in the past.
2: Matt Verzels with us. Hale Varsity Radio at Verz51 on Twitter. Oscar Hangover is where you hear him. And Verz will wrap up with this, and it's awesome to, to get your take on things. Just in-state talent, a lot of in-state kids. We, we touched on a little bit earlier, but you get to see it on uh, the Friday Night Lights portion of things. Coaching, you also get to uh, to, to mentor them uh, with, uh, with Warren, Steve Warren and the Warren Academy. Tell me about, the jump of, of Nebraska kids or just in-state ability? Has it always been there, or have you seen a constant uptick here the last several years? Give me your viewpoint.
5: I don't I don't think – I think the talent is always there. Okay. Okay? I, I had the chance, it's funny, right before I got on, on the phone with you guys, four or five of the guys that I've worked with in the off season that are all playing at colleges, stopped in to have a couple slices – shoot the breeze, you know, tell some lies. (laughs) But the talent has always been there, okay? The finite eye to see it and see what it can end up as has been lacking for decades. Mm. Um, One of the the things that that the Vanny and and Osborne, Solich, don't get enough credit for is they could go to a Nebraska high school or Kansas or Iowa or wherever into that high school They could see a kid that may be currently a tight end. And they could see in three years, two years, however many years, that kid will be an all-conference guard. That kid will be an all-conference center. I've just got to figure out how to sell that to him, that this is in his best interest. So, you know, the way they evaluated, Taneper and Young were great at it as well. Honestly, the vast majority of the staff was. They could find guys. That didn't fit the mold of what somebody else was looking for, but they knew through their strength and conditioning, through their agility training, through their nutrition training, what what that person could be. And more times than not they they hit. you know they were they were really good at it, and they did a great job of it. So that eye to what the talent of the state of Nebraska is has been gone for for quite a while. So, to see some of the chances that they're taking on these Nebraska kids that may not have 15 stars but can just play football, that's a good sign to me that they're, they, they feel comfortable in their evaluation of kids. But it's also why they press so hard to get the kid to come to their camp. It's not because they want to get 50 bucks or 100 bucks from you. It, it, parents out there, if they're inviting you, they want to see your kid in action. So there's an interest there. So they want to see what your kid is flesh and bone and then they can evaluate because sometimes the tape is hard because you don't know the, the level of the talent they're playing against right if i can get you to camp much the way osborne devaney so did, if i can get you to camp i can see with my own eyes now i have i'm better informed and i can make my my decision
2: matt verzil with his adverse 51 on twitter uh, and Verz, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to you and your family. Thanks for giving us a few minutes and talking some ball.
5: Yeah, boys, have a good one. Merry Christmas to you and all your listeners as well. And now, and now back to
2: Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, signing day eve, and remember talking to this man. Uh, on his uh, signing day when he picked Nebraska. Jeremiah Searles with us at uh, Searles71 underscore HSKR and says Papa Searles on the screen as we're streaming you in. Many moons ago, Searles. Uh, I'm going to bring up signing day, and Elijah will bring up the Big 12 championship game against Texas in a tweet at Herbal Essence, uh, just so we can pile on both Mm. uh, you getting more and more years around the sun, and, of course, me needing just for man gray (laughs) away.
6: Yeah, man, it's crazy to think about what seems like not that long ago, but it was over basically, I mean, over a decade ago of the signing day and the excitement that goes into that. And, I mean, it wasn't quite the production that these kids have nowadays of, like, videos and some poem written about them and all these crazy things. Like, I remember it was like I wore red, I signed my letter of intent in my school lobby in high school and then called a bunch of local affiliates in Nebraska and was really excited. But it's turned into such more of a spectacle. I mean, you've got guys committing on, like, Good Morning America and, like, the multiple hats out of the bag. And, like, I get it. It's the time and age in which we live, which goes back to Elijah's thing of, like, I'm old as dirt and maybe I'm just an old man up on my soapbox now. But it's just a really exciting day. When you get to say, "Man, that's where I want to go, spend my life. That's where I want to go, become a man. That's where I want to go, develop as a football player." And you know, you go through the recruiting process, which is crazy, up and down. But this is kind of a finality of it all.
3: Well, it's funny how how much time has passed, how much things have changed, and yet here you are still. I'm sure you signed some papers this morning for uh, your work, and now Schmidty's giving you a phone call in the afternoon
6: for everything that's changed. It's still the same. Full circle, man. Full circle.
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, different different papers. But <laughs> yes. now, now you have the uh, the NIL factor, Searles. and, and how big of a opportunity slash hurdle could that be? Because you can go to a spot for the, dare I say, the wrong reasons. Because there's more zeros. One
6: hundred percent. Yeah, you can you can chase money in the NFL now, right? Or excuse me, in the NCAA. You can chase money. That never used to be a thing. It never used to be a let's go chase a bag, right? It was like, let's go develop so I can go make money on this game finally. And yeah, you can get yourself in a a sticky situation trying to chase the money. But the good news is you have the eject button known as the transfer portal if it doesn't work out. So you see guys that are flipping and you can you're always going to wonder why did they leave or why did they flip? Was it a football related thing or was it a money related thing? But that is just the nature of what the NCAA is now. It's the nature of what college football is now. And you just hope that guys end up getting put with the right situations.
3: It's Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, regardless of the NIL, you still have to go perform on the field once you step foot on campus. And I want to get your thoughts. You kind of talked about signing day. Take me through the difference between the excitement of signing day and then kind of that, that splash of water in your face, the reality of playing college football. What was that first day like for you? Because Dylan, assuming he puts pen to paper tomorrow, just a couple weeks away from getting uh, his feet wet in the college football world and really getting that that welcome to reality moment of this is college football.
6: Yeah, you know, it's a little different. And I've talked with some coaches around the league now. It's very different than when I entered in the league, right? Because during the recruiting process, you know, you're being courted, right? We love you. Oh, you're the best. Pat's on the back. Oh, you're going to help us win so much. But like, then you get on campus and it's like, you sit there, freshman, I'll see you in two years. Right? Like that's kind of what it was like, okay, I'm low man on the totem pole now, right? I got to earn my stripes. I got to come in here and, and compete with these grown men to just prove that I can, willing and worthy to be here. It's not as much like that anymore because of the transfer portal and because of NIL, you kind of have to continue to recruit guys while they're in your building. And I have another podcast, the O-line committee, where I kind of touched on this, the idea of, I feel that college football as a whole on the field is actually taking a step back in the product because of what I just mentioned, if you have to continue to recruit guys when they're in the room. And so it's a little bit of an eye-opening experience. It's always going to be a – there's going to be a welcome to the NFL moment, a welcome to the NCAA moment. That just comes with the territory. But I do think it's slightly different And now. There's not really that sit back, earn your stripes, do your thing because there are promises that are made monetarily um, in the world of college football now.
2: Searles, let's get your reaction to to Raiola. You had uh, some high-profile quarterbacks uh, land in Lincoln. Tommy Armstrong was a a big get for Nebraska. Cody Green, a big get for Nebraska. Although he switched positions, T Magic turned out to be pretty big. So you've seen in your era guys with a lot of accolades come in, but as recruiting and – Social media has grown. I mean, this has blown up college football in a great way for Nebraska football here with Dylan Raiola's commitment.
6: Couldn't be more excited about getting a guy like that in here, especially it's not a guy in the transfer portal that's only going to have a year or maybe even two. You're talking about a, a building block of a foundation that you can build an entire team around. You know, it feels a little bit of, hey, Scott Frost got his guy in Adrian Martinez, and, you know, we felt really good about that. It's similar to that, but, you know, I feel like, in the same way that Scott intertwined his fate with Adrian, I think Rule has intertwined his fate with Rayola. And that's okay. That's good because you got both guys got skin in the game. Like both guys are coming in here and saying, we have a vision. We obviously share the same vision or else you wouldn't be coming here. Now let's lock arms. Let's go hand in hand and let's lead the charge of all these guys with us. And if you can have a head coach and a quarterback and everyone else being able to rally behind those two positions, which are the natural leaders of every football team, the sky's the limit. Right? But obviously, like you said, you got to come in, you got to perform, and we'll be dumb to think that there will be no bumps in the road. We'll be dumb to think that there will be no hurdles he has to overcome. That just comes with being a young player. But when you have young players like that, really, you're just excited for what the future can bring.
3: So, it was based on what you've seen from Ryola, do you think that's your odds-on favorite for next year? I know that's kind of – you talked about the changing world of college football. Similar to the NFL that we've seen, that's kind of a trend over the last decade to get thrown into the fire early. It started happening in college football, too, that you're making these NIL bucks. You're this highly touted recruit. We're going to throw you into the fire early. Do you see that happening with Nebraska and Ryland? Do you think, from what you've seen from him, he could be
6: ready for that? It's hard for me to watch his high school tape, which I have, and – compare it to anything that is college football, right? It's just, it's like, well, there's a man playing with a bunch of boys, which is how it should be when you're the number one recruit, right? When you're the guy, like you should make it look easy and Rayola made it look easy. And so that gives you that gives you a lot of like optimism coming into the spring ball. But at the end of the day, you look at what our quarterback room was last year. And it's hard for me to look at the Harburg and Purdy and Sims and go, can he not step in and at least compete with those guys? Right? Can he not come in and say, hey, I'm maybe not as football IQ high as you because I haven't been in college as long, but physically can I compete with you guys and we can get you caught up on the X's and O's? That's a very real thing. I think he has all the physical attributes. You give him a full uh, winter and a summer in conditioning, getting his body right and getting his meals right and getting him heavier and stronger. I think he absolutely has, a, has every tool possible in his tool belt to come in and become a competitor for the starting job.
2: Let's talk about Nebraska getting him ready. Uh, you mentioned the weights and the nutrition and the acclimation period, and you'll have a spring to get ready. But, you know, UTEP, Colorado, the the first few games, and then the, the back end of, of next year's schedule. Nebraska's got something right now, uh, Searles, and, and that's something that the, the Clemsons and Alabamas – and USC's and, and Ohio State's have always had. They've had that difference maker on paper. A lot of their their difference makers have translated to on field. And tell me a little bit about your optimism level about Nebraska getting him ready on, f- for that on field opportunity.
6: Yeah, you know, at the moment, I have no mm-hmm. reason to believe that they won't. Right. Like there's nothing that this staff has shown me that they don't have every tool in in their tool bay to develop young players. Right, even Harburg, as limited as he was as a thrower this year, I felt like Sat and those guys had him develop well. Right, like that doesn't mean he's going to automatically turn into C.J. Stroud or Tim Tebow because right. the skill set might not just be there. But I felt like there was steps in his development as a player, and you know that goes on to the defensive side too. What Tony White was able to do with some of these young guys as they continue to develop as young players. So I have a lot of success, a lot of faith in Corey as well. Corey, the, the head strength and conditioning guy. I think he did a really nice job with a lot of these guys. So you couple that together with this is a proven moment for me with this staff of, hey, can you develop a young player into becoming that difference maker? Because, yes, everyone can have great tools, but they still need to be polished. And he's going to need to be polished. He's going to need to have some refinements of some technique issues or footwork or whatever it may be. And I want to see them not be afraid to push him and make him the best that he can be. When does
3: that refinement come? Is that spring football time? I guess just yeah. as you look ahead to, to the future, we've had players before on the show discuss the importance of winter conditioning and how it almost gets swept under the rug by the media. Everyone's looking forward to spring, but the, mm-hmm. the winter might be the most important part of the year. What's your take on the next six months for Husker football?
6: Yeah, the, the winter is incredibly important because the winter is where you make your biggest strength gains, right? Especially coming off a no 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 bull prep, right? No bowl game. Like you've had about a month now to really let your body kind of regroup and re rejuvenate from a a long hard fought season you hit jan one man it's on it's time to get strong it's time to get conditioned you know it's time to move heavy weight and set a foundation for the rest of the year right there's a there's a, a, a not a linear line you know there's a line that kind of climbs like this so that you want to start down here in january and you don't really want to hit your peak until about september right and but it all starts with january of like taking those big jumps in the weight room on the field with your speed and all those things, then you translate all that work you did in the winter to spring ball, focus more on football, then you kind of refine some tools there, and then you switch back to it to summer conditioning to go back to the strength and the speed, but getting yourself in the elite shape. And then you put the combination of all that work together into training camp, and then you need to hit your peak and run it into September.
2: Searles, uh, we've touched on a little bit earlier in the show about the Raiola effect. Does he bring other high-level high school recruits, even some portal guys. Guys want to play with other high-level talent. Was there a draw for you to Nebraska because of somebody that was here? Was it strictly the coach? Was it Barney? Was it closeness? I mean, tell me about what kind of drew you into Lincoln.
6: Yeah, you know, a lot of it stemmed from in June before my senior season, I took an unofficial up here to Nebraska. Me and my dad drove up here. And I sat in Bo Pelini's office for like an hour and a half, and he put his feet up on the table like he used to do and just talked to me and my dad about how he was going to develop me as a man, as a leader, to become a father, to become a husband, and to be the best football player I could be in that order. And that meant a lot to me about the kind of guy that I wanted to go and give my next four to five years for. And I think you see Rule is looking to be that guy too. Uh, But I will remember, I don't know if you guys remember the name, Chris Williams. He was a big-time linebacker out of Texas, huge recruit. He ended up having a ton of injuries. He blew his ACL and MCL in high school at the end, and then he never really got on the field in Nebraska. But I can remember when he committed, he called me. He was like, Jeremiah, Chris Williams, like he was the top recruit in our class. And he was like, let's go do this thing together. And I can remember telling Chris, like, I I think I'm pretty much into it. He's like, that's all I wanted to hear. I'm not going to tell his soul, but like, I love that. And that meant a lot to me it did it meant a lot it's like hey we're gonna develop something special here and i i loved chris i thought he was great he just never could get back healthy on the field but there is definitely something when you can start developing that brotherhood and that bond of before you even step foot in here of like hey we're coming in this thing together and we're all on the same page that can go a long way for a class and now
3: and now back to hail varsity radio Jeremiah Stirls with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Charles, as we kind of start winding it down, get your takes on something Bill Dolman said to us last week, and, and that was with Riola, the home factor uh, of, of Nebraska always felt like home to the Riola family. And you're another guy in a, a long list of, of Huskers that moved from across the country to Lincoln. And, you know, it made Nebraska your home while, while you were here. What about Nebraska stood out to you and, and made it such a, a homey feel for you, a place that you wanted to settle down?
6: Yeah, you know, it's the people nebraska and always and husker nation and just nebraskans in general they're just great people and when you surround yourself it's like your friend group like you are who you surround yourself with is something my dad always told me right like you will be judged by the people you surround yourself with and i wanted to surround myself with like-minded people good people manners take the shirt off their back to help the person push the person out of the ditch do whatever and you can't walk 10 steps in the state without finding someone like that Mm and that's where i want to raise my family that's where i want my kids to be and it's contagious right it's contagious i mean my son is four and a half years old and loves the huskers to death and asks me every single time we turn football on are the huskers (laughs)
3: playing?"
6: right It, it just becomes it's ingrained in you because it's what we love it's what we rally behind and when you love something like this state does you put everything you have into it so the home factor definitely plays a part because when you're here and you're just around it all the time, it's just hard to ignore, and it becomes something that you love.
2: Searles, we'll get you out on some NFL. Uh, some uh, heartbeat now with your Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. Big time went over Dallas. They're still trailing the Finns. But uh, Joshi and company, how do you like Buffalo's uh, finish here to maybe get I'm,
6: in? I'm telling you, that's not a team you want to run into in January. That is not the Buffalo Bills right now. If they can figure it out like they have, and, you know, it's going to be weird to say when the book is written on the 2023 NFL season, like, hey, remember when that coach said that not-so-great thing about that really stuff that if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. Um, You know, like, and that turned this whole team around, but in a reality, it kind of did, right? Like, that was a turning point for them this week to Dallas coming off a huge win, beating the Eagles, everyone's starting to say, are they the number two team in the NFL behind the San Francisco 49ers? And the Bills just went out there and just dismantled them. And if they find a way to sneak into the playoff, some, some 11, 12-win football team is going to be going, crap, I got to play Buffalo? Like, that's not fair. That's number one seed-type talent level on that team.
2: That's real. That is real with yes. the way the seedings happen where, uh, great, here comes – Buffalo or Cleveland who's playing mm-hmm. good with Flacco or you know Kansas City's fading what what's your temperature on KC
6: Not great it, it's not good I mean you can only do so much Patrick Mahomes is by far the best quarterback in the NFL he's elite but when you have receivers that have all thumbs and you just can't run the football super effectively with Pacheco out they just don't look to me like a contender they look like a guy that could be frisky and fun and find their way in and maybe make some noise but This time of year, you're looking at teams that are becoming contenders, and I just don't see the Kansas City Chiefs in that realm.
3: So let's talk about what's real and who's a contender. What's your take on this slide from the Eagles as they drop one on Monday Night Football to the Seahawks?
6: I don't know what's going on with them, man. Four in a row now, I
2: believe it is. That was a bad finish last night.
6: Bad finish. I mean, Drew Locke driving the field on you type of thing, and they're the same kind of thing as Buffalo where they're talented enough to be a contender. But are they hitting the slide at the wrong time, right? Buffalo hit the slide in the middle of the season. Now they're climbing their way back up, hitting their hitting their peak. But if, if Philly can't pull themselves out of it here in the next couple of weeks, and now granted they do get to finish the season with two games against the Giants, so that should help kind of break the slump. But, you know, there's some discontent in that team. You're watching them do ball security drills in December where people are stabbing and Jalen Hurts is shaking his head. And then you hear Jalen Hurts say not committed after a game. Like there's some internal disconnect going on in that organization, which – that's the greatest unravel of anything is when there's internal bickering, it's hard to win on a, in the NFL. And
3: I think it's interesting. Nick Bosa said a couple of weeks ago, we think we have a formula to beat the Eagles. They did. The Eagles haven't won a game since. And you, you wonder whether or not some defensive coordinators around the league have started picking up some, some cues on mm. stopping mm. Jalen Hurts and stopping that Eagles offense.
2: Last thought on your Vikings. Uh, how are you wagering? Do you think they can put a push together to get another spot out of that NFC Central? i don't think so no. you know
6: i want to i want to say yes but i think that 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 version that we saw of the vikings against the Bengals was the best that offense is going to play yeah. i don't know if they can continue to repeat that going forward and they're talking about coming into a detroit team next week that is red hot coming off a big victory you know they're trying to say that they are contenders and they're talented enough to do it i think that what koc and what those that that crew up in minnesota yeah. has done they have squeezed every drop out of that roster that they could have gotten with Kirk going down, young players stepping up, development of a young middle linebackers, an undrafted guy. An 8-9 win season for them is them squeezing every drop, but they've got some really, really good pieces built in the foundation for next year to come back and be really strong.
3: So really fast here. Last thought, pick it now. Who do you think your Super Bowl favorite is as of December 19th?
6: San Francisco 49ers. It's not even close. That, so. the, the only thing that the only thing that gets in that team's way is injuries. No and no love for the Ravens? No. Dude, I'm telling you, the, that San Fran team, week in and week out, is the most dominant football team that I've seen in the last five years.
2: Fair. They can just spread it around. Searles, Merry Christmas to you and your family, man. Thanks for jumping on with us.
6: Absolutely, guys. Merry Christmas to everyone, and as always, go Big Red.
2: Good stuff from Searles. Always love hearing him and VERS and Podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play for the audio, the video, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Some thoughts here as we get you closer to signing day tomorrow. We'll be on at 4, and we'll get things kicked off tomorrow at 4 with Damon Benning. Yeah. And uh, excited to have Damon on and uh, get his experience, not only on the class, but just being a proud dad with uh, Caleb's uh, signature and announcement, part of that legacy Topic we were hitting on today, Bill Dolman, Mike Babcock, going to be with us. Uh, Mike Schaefer, uh, 24-7. Schaefer, love Schaefer, he'll be with us. We haven't chatted with him in forever. I know. That'll be Uh, good. I I love Schaefer. Uh, So we had to get Schaefer in there and excited he'll do it. And and then, uh, yeah, Evan Bland will be with us, and away we go. So maybe some surprises for us, not for you, the Nebraska fan. With, uh, we're out to a few players as well.
3: Mm-hmm. That we are. So we'll, 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 see.
2: We'll, see. we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Regardless,
3: it's going to be a good signing day show.
2: So there's three players announcing on signing day that could choose Nebraska. Okay, you've got Vincent Shavers. It looked like he had a fantastic time and, and he decommitted from Miami. Does Nebraska get him? Uh, listen, um, that will be interesting. Larry Tarver, uh, he is a... High-end defensive back. Uh, He's out of Miami Norland High School as he's um, that uh, that prep academy. So we'll see if Nebraska can get him. You have Amari Sanders as well. He's defensive back out of Gulliver Prep in Miami. Uh, You have Nebraska trying to get in there as well. Uh, You have uh, Tarver trying to decide between Miami, Louisville, Virginia, Duke, and Nebraska. And um, so Julian Fleming is somebody that we're still keeping an eye on. Does he decide between Nebraska and Penn State? He's the portal wideout that's highly touted. Uh, Blay, uh, Bly Hill is also uh, somebody to keep a ear out for, for tomorrow with Nebraska. It's a really talented boundary quarterback. So those are... All things that are in flux right now for Nebraska and signing day tomorrow, but we'll see if Rule's got uh, everything sealed up. <laughs> uh, Eleven thirty, we'll uh, hear from Coach Rule. We'll have some Rule's comments tomorrow as well. We'll wind down a Tuesday at Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Signing day special tomorrow. Be a part of it with us. The Hale Varsity YouTube channel, Hale Varsity Radio. Twitter at HVarsity Radio. You can follow us. Find Elijah on Twitter at Herbal Essence at Schmidt underscore radio. Facebook and Twitter also with KFOR Sports. And wherever you hear us across the Hale Varsity Radio Network, Omaha, Kearney, Hastings, Grand Island, Columbus, Lincoln, We appreciate you tuning us in. So, some nervous folks with uh, the number one wide receiver in the country, Jeremiah Smith. All good, allegedly, for Ohio State. But is Miami and Florida State making a late push? I'm fascinated with some of the movement tomorrow, potentially. Nebraska's got their guy in Dylan Raiola. Uh, Grant Bricks is a monster get for this class. You have Mario Buford, who's big time. Davon Hall, the, uh, the in-state acquisition uh, is nothing short of great for Nebraska to get all the Nebraska kids, as many Nebraska kids as they could. And there's, this year's class, Elijah, has a number of kids uh, making their way outside of Nebraska. Nebraska could, could take only so many. It's pretty fascinating to hear Verge talk about that, that talent level and then the the eye for the talent uh, back in Lincoln.
3: Well, then if you you, put in-state to the side and just call it 500-mile radius, you can add a couple more names to the list with Rex Guthrie. I think Bozeman, Montana, is 500 miles yes. away. I'll put Quinn Clark in there, Keelan Smith. I think uh, Bozeman's longer, isn't it? I'll still put it 500-mile radius. It's close enough. Landon Davidson, another it's guy a in 500-mile radius. It's a state
2: that borders a uh, border state. <laughs>
3: I mean Jake Peter Jake Peters, that Peterson? Peters. Jake Peters mm-hmm. is the name. Uh I mean, you add about five more guys that include that aren't state of Nebraska but are five hundred mile radius. Nebraska hitting the five hundred mile radius hard and it's kind of that that blueprint that is worked for Nebraska a long time, that, you know what, you're going to hit the 500-mile radius hard. You're not going to let those guys get away if you want them. And then you're going to pick and choose from other spots across the country. A lot of Texas flavor in this class as well, which makes sense with rule. But mm. it's kind of the, the 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 blueprint being executed the way it was intended, where you lock down the 500-mile radius, you lock down the state's borders, and then you go pick and choose from other spots across the country, like, say, Buford, Georgia.
2: Well, you've got uh, Bricks, uh, part of the offensive line on this class. You've got Gibson Pyle. He's out of... Uh, Klein, Kane High School, in Houston, those are two of your offensive linemen. You had a, a really good number of offensive linemen for 2023 you took, and you had some of those defensive guys, the either, the Oars, the, uh, the, the Sledges, the Maciejeks of the world. Uh, you've got uh, Roquan Buckley that has shifted over to the offensive line that has some years to play as well. From a defensive back standpoint, you've got Caleb Benning and Evan Taylor and uh, also Rex Guthrie out of Littleton, uh, so that's uh, that's not bad. Uh, Evan Taylor, a North Carolina kid, uh, Ashton Murphy, defensive lineman out of Elkhorn South you like. Of course, Danny Kalen, man, the Pied Piper of this class, along with Willis McGahee, the 4th out of uh, Christopher Columbus High in Miami. McGahey, one of the linebackers of this co- of and, this class. And
3: one of the longest tenured members of this class as well. He's been committed since, uh, let's go grab my date here. Forever. Yeah, feels like forever. Yeah, back in April, which one of the earliest guys to commit whenever you had that summer wave.
2: Jacory Barney, also talented wideout from uh, Palmetto in Miami. So get the podcast. Thanks for checking in. We'll be back with you tomorrow at 4. A uh, lineup you don't want to miss and a recruiting reaction for signing day 2024 with Hale Varsity. Powered by Cornhead Lager. A Huda
4: Media Production.